This is a pic- picture of the halal. They're completely absorbed in their own agenda. Completely self-absorbed. Here's a summary of the glory way approach to life. They talk incessantly about themselves. Conversations are all about themselves. They're not really interested in you. They take shortcuts to leadership and power. They push to get on top in the organization through lying threats and even violence. They're glory-grabbing. They take credit for other people's work. In groups or organizations, they cause a great deal of damage. They undermine the leaders over them. They create a posse. And in a larger group, they gain influence of a smaller group, a posse, who will try to help them rise. They'll use that smaller group, the posse, to help them rise to the top of the organization. They drive divisions in groups, in family life, church life, in ministry, student ministry, in work. Here's a clip of the bully Biff from Back to the Future that shows several characteristics of of the glory way fool. See how many characteristics you can find. I just listed a bunch of them. See how many of the characteristics you can see in Biff. Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish punk. Oh, hey, Biff, hey, guys, how are you doing? You got my homework finished, McFly? Well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey! Think, McFly. Think. I've got enough time to recover. You realize what would happen if I handed my homework in your handwriting? I'd get kicked out of school. And you wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would you? Well, no, of course not. I wouldn't want that to happen. How about my homework, McFly? Uh, okay, Biff. Well, I'll, uh... I'll finish that on up tonight, and then I'll uh, bring it over first thing tomorrow morning. You're not too worried about sleep in Sunday. Oh, McFly, your shoes are back. Oh, ah! Don't be so gullible, McFly. Oh, I want to see you in here. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. <laughs> there you go. He's used to getting pushed around, didn't he? So... There's a few, few characteristics there that you can see of this fool. Here's a description of the fool in Psalm 73. It uncovers the core issue. 6 through 11, Psalm 73. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn, them, turn back to them and find no fault in them, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge of the Most High? The core problem with all the fools is they're not factoring God into their current lifestyle or situation. And you can see this fool... Uh, how can God know? He's not paying attention. Since he's not paying attention, I'm just going to push my way around here. I'm going to push people around. Uh, they grab for power that belongs to God alone. They try to exalt themselves. And what you see in Scripture is 
uh, God is the one who lifts one up and puts down another. He's in charge of exaltation in our lives. He, he's the one who puts authority in place. And we should not grab for it illegitimately. This fool forms the basis for, as I said, the mafia don, the gang leader, the criminal personality. Main characteristics of this fool are boastful, self-promoting, scheming. And remember, biblical fools are morally deficient, not mentally deficient. In English, the word fool means you're not quite all there mentally. In Hebrew, it has to do with moral deficiency. They don't factor God into life. Since they believe God's not paying attention, how can God know? I'll just do what I want. So the halal ignores God, and out of pride pushes their way up using their own strength and power to push their way to the top. God makes a promise throughout the Bible to humble the proud. Sometimes he, he lets people rise to the top so that the splatter circle will be wider when they fall. This is, this is the way he is. So here's how to move beyond the glory way. Basically, choose humility and serve others. You've you got to ask God for help. <clears throat> In very practical ways, let others go ahead of you. Help others get exalted. Celebrate their success. Do the work needed, done behind the scenes, and serve that way. I don't think I have it on the screen, but Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It is there? Oh, I don't have it in my notes. That would probably help. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Oh, do nothing. Okay, different translation. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. The idea is selfish ambition. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You have to ask God to help you make a pattern of that if you want to grow away from this strategy. Final foolish strategy we're looking at is the predatory way fool. I'd like you to meet him a bit. This fool is ruthless. Uh, Percentage-wise, not very many people committed to this strategy in the population, but they're there. You see them on the news, you read about them. Um, the Hebrew word is Nabal, and this is a, pers- a merciless person who plots harm. Their key tool that they use in their strategy is pretense. You know, this guy looks, you know, if you look back at the fool, can you go back a slide? Is he on? Yeah, there he is. He's dressed, you know, pretty decent, except for the look on his face. And often they, they are basically just, just drawing you close so they can stick a knife in you. This is the way it is. You, you may have related to people like this. Uh, here's Isaiah 32, 5 and 6. The fool will no more be called noble. Through, through pretense, they seem so noble. They just seem like the greatest guys. Nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. For the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity. They're plotting to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the, concerning the Lord. 
to leave the craving of the hungry and satisfied and to deprive the thirsty of drink. They want to cause pain. So if you're hungry, they want you to go on starving. If you're thirsty, they're gonna, they don't want you to get a drink. This person is far more depraved than the other fools. They're so effective with the tool of pretense that they're lurking in the shadows pretending to be your best friend and you don't see them coming, sort of like a shark. This is the animal that represents them. Uh, the shark, shark comes up from the depths of the ocean, gets its prey, and you don't see the shark coming, typically. Uh, the House of Cards TV series, it's, it's, I think it's over. The, one, the star had some problems. He himself was in the ball, I think. Um, but they had a couple on there who represents this fool. And what you see in TV and good TV shows and movies, it, they connect with real life. So the, they show this really goes on in life. Uh, here's a quote from uh, Frank Underwood. Frank Underwood is a politician in Washington who's destroying people on his way to more and more power. He says, for those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule, hunt or be hunted. And here's his wife, Claire. Let's make him suffer. Whoa, what a team. You don't want to get close to that team. This fool is opposed to God. They're atheistic in their views. In their mind, there is no God who will hold them accountable for their ruthlessness. They're, they're free from moral boundaries, which makes them very dangerous to society. Uh, here's the predatory way approach to life. They're two-faced. They seem like really good people at first, just to draw you in, sweet-talk you. <clears throat> they're intensely selfish and stingy. They're very harsh verbally. They're cruel. They spread error about God and the Bible. About the God of the Bible and God and the Bible. They squirm out of debts. They may be in the religious profession. We've seen this recently. It's shocking when the media uncovers someone in the religious profession who is a predator, but... The Bible is very clear that they exist. <clears throat> um, they're inwardly plotting evil. Is that next? The way I have it laid out here, I can't tell which one's next. Or, and they would prefer a win-lose, win yeah. If, if they can do a win-win, they, they want you to lose. They want you to suffer. You know, Claire, let's make him suffer. Uh, we have to put safeguards in place to protect against these predators as individuals and in church life. Uh, we have to know they're out there and think through, be wise in the way we conduct ourselves. And for all of us, when we, whenever we start noticing a cruel desire on the inside to hurt others with payback, we need to quickly confess that and say no to it and move in the other direction as fast as possible. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up <clears throat> the session with uh, not only how to move away from the predatory way, but how God wants to lead us away from folly into wisdom. Basically, you need Jesus to move away from this pattern. You need the Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart. And 
This fool must become a compassionate giver. Uh, Colossians 3.8 says, but, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 12 and 13 say, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So this, this, these are new patterns you have to develop, and the way that we grow in Christ, the way that we grow away from folly, is we, we reject it, we put it off, we take off the old strategies, the old desires, the foolish strategies, the flesh that I talked about earlier, we put them away, we take those, those off, and we have to put on, like we put on our clothes every day, we have to begin to put on the, basically... Uh, compassion and kindness if you're a predatory way fool. So out of his goodness and grace, God wants to lead us away from folly and into wisdom. The core problem behind every foolish approach is the attempt to find the best life our own way, <clears throat> excluding God from our thinking. Every fool that we've looked at has committed to use their strategy to make sure they get what they want in life without trusting God. To deal with folly, we must begin to factor God into every situation that we're facing. That's the first step. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the rest of the verse says, but fools despise wisdom and, and knowledge. So we... <clears throat> The beginning point is fear of the Lord. That's when that's the we showed that picture of the the tunnel being made through. I think it was a probably a mountain, and the breakthrough point is where the the uh, the dirt starts breaking away and the light starts coming through. That's fear of the Lord. That's what's required. When you decide to fear the Lord, you're at the starting point. You break through into the realm of wisdom. It's the same thing as making Jesus your boss. But to fear the Lord means to take God seriously. Realize he's watching everything you do. We cannot sneak around. These fools are fools because they think they can pull one over on God. That's why they're fools. You can't do that. He's, 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 he's got a, a literal bird's eye view of everything that's going on on the face of the earth. <clears throat> can't get by on him. And so, to fear God means to take God seriously and to live within the boundaries that he's given for life. When we make God our reference point, that's what it means to be godly. If you want to be a godly person, it simply means that you're thinking about how God would approach this situation right here that you're handling. How would he approach schoolwork? How would he approach my work? work? How would he approach my ministry? What, what is his angle? How, how about in this family relationship, what would he want me to do? What's he thinking about it? And so that's, that's what it means to fear God. From this starting point, God is willing to show us how to live wisely. Our, our part is to set our heart daily to please him 
by obeying what he says about every area of life. Ecclesiastes 2.26, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. So we make it our goal to please him and ask him for wisdom, and God gives it to us choice by choice as we trust him. And if we mess up, we mess up. And we can learn from that because of the grace of God. The pattern in Colossians that I read is the pattern we find in the Bible for dealing with folly. We must put off the old ways and put on Jesus' way. Romans 13, 14 says it clearly. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You have to you have to clothe yourselves. That's one thing we need to do every moment and then situation by situation. Clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. What would, what would Jesus say about this? What would Jesus do? Um, <clears throat> not what would James do. I heard a comedian the other day. I'm just going to... This came to mind and I apologize. <laughs> but I heard a comedian the other day. Well, he was talking about what would it be like to be Jesus' brother? And, uh, you know, he's talking about James. James wrote one of the books in the Bible. And he said, what would it be like to be James? Why can't you be more like Jesus? You know, his parents are always telling him. And so it says, uh, well, because I'm not Jesus is probably what's going on in his mind. But uh, he got a a bracelet, WWJD. And then he he was going through his day and he, he messed up and made a mistake or sinned somehow. And somebody said, hey, man, what, what, would, what would Jesus do? WWJD. He said, oh, no, this is what James would do. <laughs> this is what James does. He messes up. And so that, that's the way it is with us. We're more like James, and you know, we're trying to be like Jesus, but we mess up, okay? And um, when we do... We can get out of the realm of the flesh and back into the realm of the spirit, out of the realm of folly and into the realm of wisdom because God is so gracious. The Bible shows us that life is one long string of choices. And once we decide to become a follower of Christ, it doesn't change. God is not going to circumvent our will to choose. So we choose the clothes we're going to wear. Will we do what Jesus wants and make the choices that please him, or will we continue to gratify the desires of the sinful nature? This is the basic question every day as we live. The desires of the sinful nature in this passage include the folly and fool patterns we've looked at. And this is what I call default mode. You know, it's, it's default mode. We default. We fall back into these patterns. That's the picture of the battle, the war that's raging inside of us as we live life. And we need to, when we catch ourselves falling back, get, get out of that. Just confess it to God. God, I'm trying to get my own way, just like I tend to do. Will you forgive that? Will you, I confess that. I admit that. Will you help me? Will you fill me again, Holy Spirit? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? If we have a pattern of laziness and use lies and anger to cover it, 
we fall back into that. If our favorite folly is to badger people into doing what we want, using upset as a tool, we fall back into that. We can, when we catch ourselves in flesh mode, default mode, we can get forgiveness. And this is the, what God uses to change us. It's not our own effort. Spiritual growth happens indirectly. As you soak in the Word of God, as you let Him speak to you, as you try to live it out, as you mess up, as you confess, as you ask Him to fill and lead you again, that whole process begins to change you over time. As you're in the Word of God, as you're willing to admit your sin, as you're willing to trust Him, if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, the first action step to deal with folly and foolish patterns is to decide to make Jesus your boss. Decide to live his way. This is, this is what it means to clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.3 says, In him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom are found in Christ as we follow him. Something we get confused on is that once, once you decide to follow Christ, he, he's, he's not going to circ- circumvent your own will. He's not going to force you to do life his way. So what we have is people who've come to know Christ and their life's still a mess because they're living foolishly. They haven't been choosing to live God's way. But the breakthrough point is fearing God or making Jesus boss. That's when you break through. And all the treasures of wisdom are found in Christ. And he will take you from wherever you're at. And he'll help you grow beyond that too, into more and more wisdom. And you may have a foundation where there's wisdom built in because of your family or whatever it is. But wherever you're at, you could be... You could be here, you could be here in terms of wisdom on the spectrum, but he will take you wherever you're at and begin to help you grow in wisdom. When we trust Jesus, he leads us to live wisely. And living by faith is the way out of folly and to grow toward wisdom. We exercise faith every day. We decide who we're going to rely on. Uh, either ourselves, our own ideas about how life works, someone else and their thoughts on life, or God and what he says works best. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, Once you decide to follow Christ, we walk by faith, not by sight. Living by sight is looking at life's situations by our own strength, our own strategies to get what we want. That's the exact opposite of faith. I'd like to wrap up by looking at the two sides of the coins of faith, the coin of faith. It has two sides, like like a coin. The first side is fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 5.29 says, Oh, that they had such a mind as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Uh, If I fear God, I realize he's involved in what's going on in my life. And he is responding to the choices I'm making, either by blessing them 
or letting me stew in the consequences. Fear of the Lord is realizing God set the boundaries for life. His commands are the guardrails of life that protect us from ruining our lives uh, with the foolish strategies. Fear of the Lord is a deep respect for God that causes us to live within the boundaries He set. The key question then is, do I believe God, related to faith, do I believe God enough to stay inside His boundaries? That's the key question. Am I going to trust Him enough to do that? The other side of faith is trust in the Lord. So if you're going to stay in the boundaries that God set for life, you have to trust him to bring the best outcome (laughs) because you're vulnerable. It really narrows your options to stay inside the boundaries of of God's uh, will. Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in, in him. Trusting God's a key thing that he, bless, he blesses. And the question related to faith is, do I believe God enough to stay in bounds and trust him to come through with the best outcome for me? If you're going to fear the Lord and stay in his boundaries, that limits your op- options tremendously, and you have to trust him that he's going to come through. He will not rip you off. If you're a Christ follower, it limits your options in dating. Uh, it limits your options in career, often. If you're going to put kingdom first, which Jesus says, Jesus says, if you put my kingdom first, all these other things are going to be yours as well. If you put the kingdom first, though, sometimes you have to turn down a job that's going to take you away from the place where you're really growing. You have to turn down options that are going to take you away from the opportunities God's provided you to grow right where you are. Um, in fact, Christ followers, followers don't, they don't cut corners that others do because they realize God is paying attention. And he is the one in charge of promotions and demotions. And I, I always, I've always been, I get caught Whenever I mess up, that's how you know you're God's. <laughs> it doesn't feel very good to get caught. You know, I, I, okay, one, one last story about Randy's folly. I was, we were, we were driving around uh, when I was about 15. One of our friends had a, he had a license. He was 16. You could drive your friends around at that time. And we were driving around and, uh, I wish I could say I was a totally innocent person, but these guys decided we're going to just start egging cars. Now, I, I didn't even know that that would cause pa- damage to the paint of the car, but they're throwing eggs, and I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. <laughs> well, I throw, I throw one egg. They were throwing them at parked cars. I threw it at a moving car. And this guy was in... Uh, a, bu- a bug, a beetle, and it was a super beetle, <laughs> a v- VW, Volkswagen beetle, bug, and it, it was fast. I don't quite know how, and we were low on gas, or we would have got on the freeway and outran them, but we pulled into our friend's driveway because we didn't have gas. We pulled in, and we ducked, 
And we thought we got away with it, but not very long after that, the police showed up. And, you know, I, I admitted. Remember, I'm 15. I've already decided to go into the ministry at this point, so I know better. <laughs> and so that's why I got caught. <laughs> God knew I knew better. But anyway, the cop, you know, I, I admit I'm the one that threw the egg, and everybody else gets, you know, they get a light. Uh, reprimand from their parents when the cop brought them home. But I go home and the door opens and my mom's there and I'm standing there with the cop. And I never wanted to see that look on her face again. That's how it is. When you fear God, you never want to see the look of displeasure on his face. Because you know he made you and he paid the price for your sin in Jesus Christ. And if you walk by faith, you realize there are five dimensions to reality, not four. We typically have height, width, depth, time. Those are four dimensions, space and time. Uh, really two dimensions, you know, but there's a third dimension. There's, there's God. He's the most important factor in every choice I'm making. Learning, learning to walk by faith is mostly learning to live by faith as we fear God and trust Him to come through with the best outcomes as I stay inside His boundaries. Let's ask God for help. Let's pray and ask God to help us follow through on the truths we've learned this, this week. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, for the truth in your word that sets us free from the bondage to old patterns and old strategies and habits that keep us from experiencing the life that you want for us. Thank you for paying for our sins so that we don't have to. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We can accept your grace. But help us, God, to, to grow, to love you more to the point where we don't want to see a look of displeasure on your face. We want to please you, God, above all. And help us to want that and to do that in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.